everyone wants to be a professional athlete you know if, if you play sport it's it's the dream and you kind of take for granted actually the work that those girls put in so like last year I always said I, I kind of lived the life of a professional Hello and welcome to the Pro Rugby Pod. I'm your host Brian Moylet. I'm a former Irish international age grade player and each week I chat with a player, a coach or a person involved at the top end of the game to hear about their story, get their insights and find out what life is like in professional rugby. On Instagram, I'm the Offfield Rugby Coach. That's at Offfield Rugby. Please follow me there and let me know any thoughts or feedback you have for the pod. Please subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. And also, please share the pod with some friends. Those simple actions have a big impact and are really, really appreciated. This week, 123 former Welsh international players started a petition to call on the WRU, the Welsh Rugby Union, to implement women's performance pathways. In the petition, they say that in the past, Wales used to have women's teams at under-19s level, under-20s level, Welsh students, Welsh development, Wales 15s and Wales 7s, whereas now there is just a singular Wales 15s team. On today's podcast, I chat with Georgia Evans, who is a Wales international and also plays at Saracens in the Alliance Premier 15s in England. We chat about some of the struggles that Wales have the challenges that their young girls face and talk about potentially some solutions for the game in Wales. We also chat about George's journey to where she is today, how she left club rugby in Wales to move across to Saracens to better herself. She gives a really good insight into the financial side of the game in that how it is semi-professional, some players are professional, some players are amateur and how she had to make a pretty big leap to go across to London to better herself as a player. Georgia gives really good insight into what the day-to-day is like with Saracens, what their training schedule is like, what their support staff is like, their nutritionists, their physios, and what it's like playing in the Allianz Premier 15s. So here's episode number seven of the Pro Rugby Pod with Georgia Evans. I'm here at Saracens player and Wales international Georgia Evans. Georgia, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been really good, really, really busy, but it's been productive for once. <laughs> nice one. So what's busy? I saw your two games into the season. You had a big win, or sorry, a win against Wasps and then a big win last weekend against Durham. Yeah, so we've been training hard because we've got Loughborough this week. So we know that that's going to be a big physical challenge for us. Um, it, was a, it was good preparation, you know, uh, DMP away was actually the scoreline probably didn't reflect how hard the game was it was really tough on the lungs um but it's good to get back into the season it was good to get that first win against wasp so we're enjoying it but building for the big one now so love for are always up there at the top of the table are they with the yeah so they always i say always they you know they finish pretty much top four um, in the league every year so it's um, always a challenge we faced them in the semi-finals and it was a very very close game um, last season so we know that they're not just you know not a walkover team so it's uh, it's pretty good to challenge ourselves and to, to strive to be better. How does it work with Saris then so are, how big is your squad and does the kind of level of professionalism vary like do you have a depth of girls that kind of come in are there amateur girls that come in and then professional girls or how deep is the squad and how does that work? Um, so we've, we've got a pretty, Saris is pretty renowned and, and pretty well off with the, the strength and depth that we've got in the squad. Uh, so we've got quite a big squad of uh, predominantly 40. Um, there is a few girls that, um, you know, come and go. So they play in the championship, but do uh, come to training with Saracens at times just to upskill themselves. Um, but within that, we've got, um, off the top of my head, I think around seven or eight uh, EPS players, so England contracted players. So they're all full time. Uh, they train with Saris uh, three times a week during the day um, and they'll be doing their gym and, and all that um, work related stuff for them. And then you've got, you could say semi, we are semi-professional class stars, so we all work the majority of us work 
full time and then we'll go to Sari's um you know we get whether it's we're all contracted so whether it's retainers whether it's match fees um something along them lines so we're classed as semi-professional but yeah still working and then we've got others that you know want to come and just kind of be around I say the best because it is the best for us um but you know they want to they want to be around the best and be around them players and coaches to just make themselves better which actually really helps us in the long run interesting so what do you do for work so I when I first moved to Saris, I was unemployed so I lived off savings um it's quite hard to find a job that kind of works around rugby but I've been really fortunate that I've just started mm. working at Saracens High School so it's got close affiliations with uh the rugby club and they're amazing and really helped me like fit rugby kind of rugby is the priority um but yeah, still full-time working in the school. So I'm currently a learning sport assistant for all the children there. Cool. And then, so is that nearby where you train the the school? Yeah, literally five minutes, for five minute drive from the school. So it's really, really convenient. There's quite a few um, Saris girls up there at the moment. The vice principal is uh, Sonia Green, who's been at the club for donkey's years about 19 years I think she's been there um or 19 seasons not years sorry um so yeah it's it's a pretty good setup nice one and um that must be cool being able to concentrate on your rugby like having a job that supports it and being able to put your your focus into your rugby yeah it's amazing because like I touched on like it's so hard to find a job that will accommodate that accommodate you know the traveling and Mm. and the time off that's needed so it's amazing how supportive they've been and I was really surprised you know before I even got the job they were like we'll we'll support you in anything that you need any time that you need to take away so it's really helpful especially when you've got so much training you know we want to be alongside them England girls who are fully contracted professional players we still want to be competing with them and it is hard to juggle that with a full-time job so to have have a company that's so accommodating to it really really helps me and and benefits me yeah that's awesome and so what's the training week like for you um pre-job or currently (laughs) uh i suppose both um so before (laughs) before i got my job uh last year was pretty hectic so um we train we do skills and gym on a Monday. Um, on a Tuesday, we do skills, gym, and then go into uh, squad training. Uh, Wednesday, could have a day off or gym. Thursday, again, would be skills, gym, training. Friday, day off, Saturday, match day, rest, Sunday. So it was quite nice. It was quite nice the way it was. And now um, I'm currently gymming when I can and where I can. And then just training in the evening. So just taking that skills block out which um is is predominantly for um the professional girls so it gives them time in the day to work on their individuals and stuff but it's also open for the girls that like me didn't have a job last year or could get out of their work kind of thing cool so it's a it's like a pretty full-on schedule and if you can make it you try and make it but um then everyone trains as a team in the evening. Yes. Is that how it works? So on a Tuesday and a Thursday, our uh, main training days are. So we'll train for about two hours um, on a Tuesday evening. And then Thursday is pretty low-key team run, ready for the weekend. And the semi-pro you mentioned there. So how does that work? Like are girls, so you mentioned match fees or retainers. And does that vary like across the squad? Some people might get a match fee. Some people might be getting a monthly retainer some people might be getting both does it vary or is it um kind of standardized across the team yeah so it's really it's really varied and it's really individual um I'm not entirely sure how other clubs work it um but I know it's it's entirely individual on on us um so some people are on on match fees some are on retainers I think it's dependent it's also dependent on on what's best for players I know that you know when contract talks come around that is a big thing it's what best suits the individual um and then money varies as well like it's all um it's all very independent 
um, and based on individual basis. Hmm. And do they help you out with accommodation or do you find your own place? Um, so I found my own place. I was very fortunate. I knew quite a few girls up here um, already. So I was quite lucky to just hop in with them. I know that a couple of the overseas girls that have just come over have um, have a Sari's house together. Um, but again, I think it's quite individualized, dependent on, you know, yeah. if you're coming from far and wide, they are very accommodating. Nice one. And how did you find moving to London? Um, it was a culture shock, even though it's just three hours away from home. Um, but I, I've enjoyed it. It's like, it's a different world up here. Um, everyone's just, it's, it's amazing to see like so many different people. Like I'm only from a small town in Wales and, um, (laughs) it's like, I don't get out much, but it was, um, it was good. And it was quite, probably quite helpful for me that it was a lot of just rugby based. It was very rugby focused when I first moved up here. So I came up here for rugby and I would kind of, we were only allowed to just train, go home, play, go home. You know, we were in them bubbles. Um, mm. So now now I got to explore a little bit more. It, it has been nice to see the sights and get around a bit. And how did the move come about then? So you were playing rugby in Wales in like a local club and I gather that's purely amateur. And then how did the move to Saris come about? Yeah, so I was playing for Pontyclean Falcons, which is um, one of the local premiership teams um, around where I lived and absolutely loved it. I was, I was really reluctant to move to begin with. So I, I think it was like a month into lockdown and we had conversations with managers and it was a case of, at the time, World Cup was still this year. So it was a case of I needed to be playing my best rugby. Um, I needed to be playing some rugby at least. And Wales was so behind that they weren't up and like, they've only just started their league uh, two weeks ago. So like there was, so yeah. they're still a year behind us. So um, it was a case of, of looking at teams and I was really reluctant to go. I really didn't want to, but then for the sake of, you know, World Cup prep, I had to put myself in the best position. So I kind of made a pros and cons list for all the premiership clubs. And at the time, I was really fortunate to, I was still in uni studying my master's, which was all from home. And I had saved up enough from working a part-time job in Tesco. Um, so I made a pros and cons list. And in the end, I think the fact that I could go to a team which was going to challenge me and, and get the best out of me and actually up my game because you're surrounded by the best players in the premiership. You know, they were back-to-back champions. Um, Kind of tipped it over the edge for me. And the fact that I knew some of the girls really helped because they helped me settle in and and get to know everyone. So I think that was the the main decider, even though I didn't want to go in the first place. And do you think you'll stay now that you've made the the move? Like you'll stay for, I don't know, a couple of years or you're thinking of moving back to Wales once things get up and running there? Um, so I'm, I'm signed to, uh, to Saris for, for a little while longer. Um, what I do after that, I'm still, still not sure. I'm, it's kind of one of them things where if Wales is in a better place rugby wise and I can still play, play top level rugby and get the best out of myself, I will, I 100% want to go back home. I want to be playing my rugby in Wales you know, at the end of my career. I want to be playing it back in, back home. Um, but for now, I think it's what's best going to, what's going to get the best out of me uh currently it's saracens but hopefully wales is in a different place in the next two to three years and i can look to to move back home yeah so wales the landscape there is there's a premiership for women i suppose somewhat like the premier 15s in england but the standard just isn't as good is that it yeah, so there's a lot of factors behind it, and I think that just the main one is there's a there's a big gap in the pathway at the moment. Um, so just the amount of girls coming through, and I think the level of competition. I know when I was playing, it was always Pontyclean and Swansea at the top of the table, and there was kind of nobody else. Um, so for three years, it was always us in the in the top of the table clash, and it was always us vying for points and. Um, a lot of Swan, a lot of the Welsh girls were at Swansea, so there was like an influx of international players there. So there's a number of reasons, but yeah, it's just at this moment in time, I don't think um, the setup is quite right. Just 
to get the best out of players, but also have the competition amongst players and to, to really pull them young girls up, you know, the under-18s coming through. We need to get them on a platform. And I think that's where we're struggling at the moment in Wales is just getting that balance right. So it sounds like there's decent underage um, teams and systems for girls, like as in, are there a lot of teenage girls playing rugby, but then there's a gap between that underage level and the flowing through into the top level yeah it's, for the senior it's, sides it is huge at the moment just purely because there's so much talent the, the growth in Wales in in the sport has just gone up tenfold you know it's literally grown by the thousands each year and it's amazing to see so many young girls we've got all the rugby hubs set up and, and all the right ideas um and so many girls but I think then that it's kind of when they hit the age of 16 to 18 it's what next and, and where do they go to get seen? When you play in the same teams in Wales and it's the same top two teams, how are those younger players and how are those, um, not the lower teams down in the league, how are they being seen? There's not enough eyes on them at the minute and there's, you know, talent ID is massive. And I think to, to be spotted, you've got to be playing almost on the big stage, you know, like you look at what, the Alliance Prem has done at the moment, streaming the games every week and, and getting us out there. Um, and it's really boosting people's profiles. And I think that's just that's just where we're lacking a little bit in Wales is, and that's where the girls are falling through. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that um, because I coach women's rugby here in Vancouver University team and a lot of girls in Canada and I think the States as well go over to England to play because it seems in the Northern Hemisphere that that's where you have to be and that other countries, I think, have to get their act together, don't they? Yeah, like, one, it's amazing that you're coaching uh, Vancouver University. That's class. And, um, yeah, I think it's huge. Like, I think the England are leading by example, and so they should. They've got the setup right, and you can see that by the, the, the quality of the squad that they put out in any campaign and also across the league. So I think, you know, they are really leading by example in that case. It's, it is just that other countries kind of need to, to buck up and start thinking about what's next. You know, we want to compete at the top level with the likes of England. Um, you've got to have that, that pathway. And for us, you know, for England, the Alliance Prem is absolutely like vital to that because they're seeing girls week in, week out. So for other countries, we can't rely on, on what they're doing. Yeah. And what can Wales do to bridge the gap or to have a more competitive senior club environment that players can play in and be at a level that they can compete internationally? I think that's the big question that everybody, everybody's asking and Sorry, nobody yeah. has the answer to. Million dollar to. question. Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, a lot of us girls, uh, well, actually, I think all of the Welsh girls at the moment are playing over here in the in the prem um and you can see just by you know playing week in week out you can see the differences already i like i definitely seen it for myself and, and for others um it's quite hard because you know w one of the answers could be to put a welsh team in the premier premiership but at the same time yeah. you, you're throwing them in at the deep end do you want to have you know a whitewash every week and that be the case but then at the same time I, I believe personally that you only get the best out of people if you're really challenging them and pushing them against the best um, and you see what people are made of because internationally it's only getting harder to play against those teams and they're getting better and if you're staying the same we're, we're being left behind so I think that's a, a big thing for us is to prepare the girls for the international stage but how do you do that in a league that currently is potentially not challenging enough for some people but they also can't afford to then go over the border to be seen so in answer to your question I don't have an answer but yeah there's so many ways to do it yeah it's interesting I think um it sounds like there could or they could create that top club level in Wales if they shared the girls out better and it's not just two teams and say there was five six seven teams competing and if you have a strong competition there that it could be a kind of a feeder into the English game in that clubs could then look across and go oh she's doing well in the Welsh Premiership let's try and bring her over you know what I mean 
yeah massively i think it's brilliant like it is in an ideal world that would be like ideal for whale for whales and for the girls that are playing over there yeah and then like you can you know if you're 18 19 whatever get it like they're not gonna be semi-professional maybe in the next couple of years like that kind of stuff takes time but if you have if you can do what you're doing or the other girls they can get their full-time training or their like really high level rugby training in england for now while the other team sorry while while wales get their kind of act together more so but i think um putting a welsh team in sounds like a really good idea like you say and of course the first year or two yeah you'll probably or they'll probably get a few hidings but like it's just kind of the way it is isn't it like you know and then you'll grow and they'll get better and they'll because i think when they're training who was it i think i heard an english girl a couple of years ago saying that the biggest difference for them was um the training level that they were training all the time that they got better you know and they could take some time off and rest and so i think yeah i don't know if if wales got a team in i think maybe short term yeah they'd lose a lot of games but long term it would probably be beneficial wouldn't it yeah absolutely i think just just being surrounded by by top level teams you immediately kind of you you find out very quickly what you need to work on and you find out very quickly what what you're actually good at, and that's it's a good marker when you're playing against the same teams. It's very hard to determine, you know, what's going right, what's going wrong when you're challenging yourself against the best. That's it. You you've got to get better, and you know, short term, yeah, you will get pumped, but long term, it only does the game better in Wales. Yeah, and what do you think you improved on most since you've gone to Saris? I think. Um, mainly playing to my strengths a lot so like as a back grower like growing up I grew up in the same town as uh, Marley Packer so I always had a name and always seen her about and um, like then going into a team with her and the likes of Poppy Cleo it's like it's massive because they bring you on like working with them in the back row has really helped develop me as a back row player as a six Mm. Um, so playing to my strengths when it comes to breakdowns um last year like I exceeded my expectations and I never kind of um dreamt that I would actually start in a in the prem let alone you know have the six shirt for a number of games so that was really pleasing and and my turnover rates were were good and decision making just going from uh, Wales to England the level of the the standard is is so much higher in everything you do the execution in all your set pieces in open play is so much higher so I think just mainly really executing them skills under pressure and working on parts of my game that potentially I didn't realize I needed to work on when I was back in Wales like you know they shone a light so working with them players probably helped me the most alongside the coaching staff they've been amazing but the girls really like lead by example and show the way so yeah it's pretty good interesting so like you've been forced to be your best because you're surrounded by all those good players whereas in wales you could probably skip a bit of this and not do certain things as well and still still get by and still start and still do well yeah 100 percent. i think i really like even everyone wants to be a professional athlete you know if, if you play sport it's it's the dream and you kind of take for granted actually the work that those girls put in so like last year we said I, I kind of lived the life of a professional without the paycheck at the end yeah. um because I was doing everything they were doing every day and it's just the little details surrounding you know the skill sessions the um individual preps that you need to do the also like the recovery side of things like you just forget about all that and in Wales like I was prime example for it the extra running sessions potentially would have lacked the skill I would definitely not be doing skill sessions every day and the recovery was kind of null and void whereas here it's all them little things that actually make you into the best athlete that you can be and then the best player so yeah they they really um I took a lot of advice and I I watched a lot of them in awe and they do a lot of hard work behind the scenes so it was pretty good to do that cool and what kind of recovery sessions do you do um so i didn't realize how much we rely on physios yeah (laughs) um physios are massive like 
um, with Saracens, like they're full time, so they do like a good MOT session, you know, full head to toe. Massage is is always grand. Um, oh yeah, but unreal. just like oh, so nice. <laughs> um, like just you you sleep, you you forget about, you know, you can't be up all night, and your your phone rolling, your eating habits, like uh, just everything that equates to to being the best athlete and probably what I neglected in Wales because I never had to be an athlete I just had to play rugby yeah um so yeah it's uh, there is a lot of things that go into it and recovery is key as they say yeah 100 percent. and do they do Saracens educate you around that or like the SNC staff or I don't know who the people are but do they educate you or is it more the players lead it like one player says oh it's important to be sleeping and you all follow them or is there an snc coach or somebody explaining to you the benefits of the different things that you need to do to be your best selves at the weekend yeah so we've got brilliant we, we've got a great team here so we've got the coaching staff um, we've got the physios and we have strength uh strength and conditionists and nutritionists cool so they're like re- our nutritionist is is all up to date on on all things good and bad and we'll always put it in in the middle of the week when you know you're having a slide chocolate bar and then he reminds you that that is not good for recovery um but then we've got our snc's who who are great with with all that kind of stuff um at the start of the year we tend to have you tend to have like all the powerpoints don't you about what's good and what's bad and what's what to expect this year but they're really good um at just you know having them conversations with individuals because everybody's different at Saris. We're not all professionals. Some have jobs, some don't. Some are more taxing than others. So they're really good at just having them one-to-one conversations and making sure that everybody's getting what they need and when. Yeah. So yeah, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good setup. That's awesome that you have so much support. Definitely um, makes a big difference in how you're ready for the weekend versus just having a couple of coaches on the field. Oh, huge. And like, it's things that pretend. So if, if you are working full time, it's things that you don't think about. So like a, a lot of the girls, you know, wouldn't think about that because they would go to work, go to training and then repeat the next day and repeat the next day. Whereas with them alongside us, they can support us and actually get the best out of us, such as our load monitoring. Like, you know, if they've if they are tired, there's no need to do five gym sessions in a week. They'll yeah. always tailor things to to how we're feeling and and what day it is essentially so yeah it's so it's super helpful and it definitely gets us ready for for a big weekend that's class and with the nutrition does i'm sure when you're working full-time it's difficult i even know myself when i'm on the go all the time it's difficult to like meal prep and get all the right foods in do they help you around that like help you with different meals that you can cook and meal prep and all that kind of carry on or do they feed you in there at all how does that work yeah so they're they're pretty good um so he kind of keeps us so for example when we're going on a, a long, long bus journey when we're going to dmp um potentially we wouldn't have had um meals in the evening for example um he definitely he'd give us because we were getting there late he'd give us things that we can get in the services that are like low cal high protein that will help us that aren't as bad you know he knows that he understands that not everybody's always on everybody is always on the go and sometimes you don't have the time to meal prep it is hard work yeah, it does take time out so he um he'll always give us like substitutes so he'll say if you go to Tesco's and you want a meal deal here's probably the best three that you could have that will still benefit you for training later so he's pretty good at at making sure that we've got a good idea of what we should and shouldn't eat um and yeah like with with all the he's he's a star with all the gels and um protein after training now like he's pretty um spot on with it so he keeps us keeps us fueled for sure good stuff and you mentioned travel there long bus trips what's the travel like in the league and do you bus to everything? I know Sailor in the league as well. That must be a long one. Or Durham. How long how long is the longest bus trip? Um, so we've just done Durham, which is probably the longest one. I think um with I think it was about four hours, maybe four and a half hours. 
Um, so it was a long old trip. So we left on the Friday um, at like half four, I think. Uh, no, five, half four, five-ish. And we got there about nine o'clock. So it was a long old trip. Um, but that's the longest one done, um, thankfully for us. And then sail is, is a pretty long one. It's about three hours. Um, and then the rest are, are all within range. So if I think if it's longer than two, we'll probably bust it. If not, um, we'll jump in the car at the moment. And that's grand that you get the, to go the night before. Yeah, it's really, really helpful because I think um, most people can attest that if you're traveling up on the day of, it it wipes you out. Like sitting in a car for however long is is never good prep. Your, your brain's not in it. You're probably half asleep and your body seizes up after two hours of sitting in the same position. So um, we get to go the night before get a good night's sleep and we're all together as a team as well which I think always benefits us yeah for sure no you'd be wrecked after um traveling like yeah three four hours on a bus and then having yeah. to play a game yeah uh, it's not the nicest no no and um so then so just circling back what you were talking about snc and stuff like that and you did a master's in snc is that right yes i did and so is that something you've been interested in for a while? And would you like to work in that, I don't know, during or um, after you're playing so rugby? So I did, I did um, sports studies as my degree. And then I w- went on to do strength and conditioning because it was just part of, um, I've always been interested in it. I've, I've always loved the gym. And I kind of love that. So going through uni, I had some great SNCs and, I always kind of liked the way that their mind worked and, and why they'd get us to do certain things. So I thought, um, do it as a master's. My long term after rugby, um, I'd love to lecture in colleges. Um, I'd love to do a do it in a, a college kind of academy with a rugby. Like in Wales, yeah. we have a lot of colleges that have rugby academies alongside them. And they I think they do like three hours of lecture and then like three hours of rugby, which is which would be the dream for me. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd hope to do that, and with my masters, it kind of pushes me up the ladder to to help me do that. So, fingers crossed when I retire one day and have all the time in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, how does that work? The rugby academies in Wales. So, a uni- it's like a university team, um, but there's an academy. So, would it be like Swansea University, or or how does that work? So it's like so. For example, I went to Collegi Camoys, so Collegi Camoys, and then it has a rugby academy attached to it. So they get a um, BTEC Sport. So they do BTEC Sport. They have it for, they actually have an academy set up for girls now as well, which is amazing. Cool. Um, so they go through two years of college and they get a BTEC Sport um, qualification. And then alongside that, they will train um, as Camoys. It has very close links to Cardiff Blues Academy. So when I was there, there was the likes of Dylan Lewis, Jared Evans. Um, there was, I think there was like a record of like 15 or 16 players all going into Cardiff Blues oh, okay. after they'd gone through college. So it's quite, it's an amazing setup. Um, and they, I know that they have one down in Scarlet's region and in Ospreys. So it's a really good lead into semi-professional or professional rugby for those boys and for for the girls unfortunately obviously there's not um any semi-professional teams for the girls at the moment to lead into but they do have good links with uh, local clubs so to try and just keep them uh keep them playing but it's it's great because they get a qualification out of it but they also may get a academy contract at the end of the two years as well so it's pretty it's pretty sound that's cool that's an amazing setup I wasn't aware of that at all it's like um so it's like a pre-academy or like kind of puts you in the shop window if you're whatever 17 18 19 and you want to do rugby you get all the benefits of an academy but you're in college and you're getting a degree as well yeah 100% and they and more often than not like it's the boys that have kind of been um have always wanted to do rugby and it, you know it's so hard for for the boys as well there's so many of them that yeah it does put you in the shop window and people can then pick you up and I know a number of boys who who went to the Cardiff Blue were in Camoys then got picked up by a different region and 
um, a lot of them are playing in England now as well. So it's it's a good starter and it also like gets them into good habits. They are very strict of, you know, their nutrition, their S and C. So yeah. it does get them into good habits before they go into that professional life. That's cool. And that's cool that it's um there for girls now as well. Um so yeah, amazing. You mentioned that it's getting more and more difficult to compete at the international level as England get more professional and I think France are pretty along the way there as well and Ireland are probably a little bit behind but how have you found how have you found it from when you started playing with Wales to now does it just feel exactly that that the those teams are just running away and just getting ahead because the Six Nations is starting to look a little bit lopsided yeah, it's it's a tricky one because um France are actually semi professional, so they're not they're not fully professional. Okay. Um, which I think is actually great for them to be doing so well and to be doing as amazing as they are. Um yeah, it is it is a little bit lopsided at the moment and it is it is tough because if you've got England coming up, you know, we went away to France and we knew that it was gonna be a tough slog. We just had to put we just had to represent ourselves the best that we could. Mm. And that's what we have to have to kind of have that mindset going into them games. Cause it is hard to be like, we're going to, we're going to go and, you know, beat them. We're going to do this and we're going to beat them up. All you can hope for is that you give them a bit of a bruising and you give them a bit of a challenge. And um, that's my um, individual opinion. Yeah. Um, purely because, you know, England and France are ahead above the rest at the moment. And so they should be. They're, they're doing all the work and they're amazing. Um, for the likes of like Wales, Ireland and Scotland, unfortunately, we didn't give the best representation of ourselves to the last six nations. And, you know, we got battered by Ireland, which we shouldn't have. And we put up a fight against Scotland, but just lost at the end. And it's frustrating at the moment because we're better than that. But at the same time, it shouldn't just be us three competing to be who's, who's the third best. Um, and I thought it's going to take a long time. Um, it's a process and you could give Wales, Ireland and Scotland contracts all now and it still wouldn't change the fact that, you know, we're still years behind. Yeah. But actually it maybe gives us a yeah. bit more of a level playing field. But hopefully that will um, that will come and, and change will be made at some point by all unions. I think, you know, it needs to happen to to make it a bit more challenging and to make it a bit more interesting for viewers as well. You know, England ratings are amazing, um, but England and France ratings are just unbelievable for women's rugby right now, and it, and it's great to see. It's just a shame it's not across the board. Yeah, that's so interesting you say that. Yeah, it's um, it's up to the other unions to catch up, and yeah, England just do look a a cut above or a step ahead. But it it is like you said, it's difficult if you're kind of really amateur in your environment and with the resources you get and then you go up against this team it's like yeah you can have all the pride in the world and whatever but it's you're really behind the eight ball before you start yeah a hundred percent and it's it's just about you know them games I feel like I said you just kind of want to give them a bit of a challenge you want to give that you want to you want to beat them up a little bit and and actually put your best foot forward individually and as a team it's just hard when you're constantly under them sticks and it's like how do we pick ourselves up after the sixth seventh eighth try yeah no it's the worst place in the world being behind the sticks uh five you know two minutes later two minutes later yeah um so is that yeah yeah nothing worse <laughs> um so is that i saw this where two days ago this week that 123 internationals started a petition to improve women's rugby in wales i read through um, the description and the information on it so what exactly is there what exactly are they looking to improve is it essentially they want more funding from the WRU to be going into the women's game um I think so I currently because um I'm in the setup um try and almost stay out of the political yeah, side yeah. of it I, I have my I have my views um, and I'm I'm quite open about them, but I think that they're demanding change. Um, 
which you know is positive and we're we're very grateful for the support but also um I'm not entirely sure what is going on behind the scenes so I can't really answer yeah, the question yeah, in no, a way sure. um but yeah the support support from them is amazing um and I think that they you know they just don't want us to get pumped by France and England 19 you um for the sake of us right now as players and for the sake of all the girls coming through, we want the girls to aspire to be like us. And, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than seeing your team losing, you know, 90 to five or whatever it is on the scoreboard. So, yeah, I think it's, it's just that change for the future generations. Cool. Yeah. No, from what I, I understand your position, it's hard to talk, but um, yeah, from what I gather when I read in it, it's like that they don't have a, there's no Wales U20s women or U18 side. So yeah, that's definitely a first step that you can do because then once you're wearing that jersey as a U20 player, you're, you're in a path, there's a pathway and stepping stones, as you said. Did you play? Yeah, did you have? I think that's the biggest thing. Did you have Wales U twenties or U eighteens when you were play when you were that age? No, so they they, I'm not sure exactly when the date was, but um, it was a good. I've been in there. I've been six years here, about eight years more. It's been. It's not been going. Um, I think that's the biggest. The biggest thing is for. If you have an under twenties and an under eighteens, you get them girls seeing an actual tangible pathway mm. to to aspire to. Whereas at the yeah. moment, to play for Wales, all the Welsh players are currently in England. Yeah. So it's it's trying to get the understanding that they can be seen playing in Wales and they can be picked up by under twenties. And they're also then on the radar. Like it's always great to have players on the radar to just to watch their development to be able to bring them in and I think that's the biggest thing at the moment is is having that reward for for playing well for your club at home in Wales yeah for sure and you'd lose interest as well like if you're a good 17 year old or whatever and there isn't a Wales 18s or 20s and then you're looking at the senior team and it's yeah you need that that um uh, bridge in between for you to stay in the system and get enthusiastic about and proud about playing for your country and then making those steps up versus being like all right I'm in secondary school or high school or whatever you call it and then the next step is to try and get into one of those two teams as you said yeah 100 percent. and the you know they go from 70 to 18 and then they'll go to their local club and kind of lose interest in challenging themselves and that's where that's where they get lost is because people aren't aren't seeing them um and they kind of revert I, Wales is is amazing and I, I love the, the rugby family there because it is so social um, and that's what you can fall into the trap to whereas you know they're seeing all the Welsh girls over the bridge they don't want to go over the bridge they want to stay where they are mm. but they also want to play for Wales so it's the catch 22 is, is how do we get them there how do we get them seen and yeah it's unfortunate but hopefully change is coming and, and especially for those girls coming through at the ranks at the moment yeah fingers crossed and um i won't keep you too much longer even brilliant with your time but you started playing rugby a little bit later didn't you you played netball before that yeah so i played netball all the way through school and college um well actually i stopped my first year of college um i didn't get along with the netball coach and at that time the rugby coach was like come and try and i was like oh okay then fine um and then I give I give netball up straight away and and went straight to net, uh, rugby at sixteen seventeen. Cool. And wh- what do you think, or how do you think your netball helped rugby? Your rugby. Um, I think the like discipline and like athletic. I say athleticism. I'm like the least athletic person, <laughs> but like running around all that time yeah. and like being able to jump at the time I I try and jump now um and like just all the stuff that goes with it um really probably helped me fitness wise I went straight in, when I went to rugby I started as a as an inside center so like I was crash balling and had to run a little bit more than perhaps I do now and 
I probably transferred a lot of that fitness and ability because I was in the netball academy um, starting out college. It really honed in like that's where my S&C started. That's where my, my gym and my nutrition, you know, mm. netballers are, are typically quite slim. And that's probably why I left. I <laughs> like my food too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's cool. Yeah, I used to play a lot of basketball growing up and I thought like catch, hand-eye coordination and catch pass and all that like really helped me when I was playing rugby. And the athleticism, like you say, running up and yeah. down the court, it's, yeah, you'd be wrecked after a game, whereas rugby, you can take a rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we pray for scrums. Yeah, exactly. And um, why didn't you play when you were younger? Uh, like Wales just seems to be rugby mad um, as a con- the country. And you, did you just get into the netball and you were doing well on that pathway and you were getting into systems or whatever and you just you just stuck with that? Is that was that the case or...? Um, so I, so I grew up in Somerset in England. Okay. So that's where I was until I was 17 and then I moved home to Wales. Um, so I, around that time, surprisingly enough, I didn't really know about any like female rugby teams, like girls rugby teams. Um, there wasn't many around by me. There was a lot of women's, there wasn't any underage. So I followed my brother quite a lot with rugby like I knew everything about the sport Mm. like I absolutely loved it but I kind of got into netball and almost like fell into the trap you know like girls play netball I was very sporty so I I did a lot of swimming as well and um, I tried everything I never really loved anything enough to stick with it netball was kind of the one that I stuck with purely because I wanted to be doing something Mm. and that just so happened to be I, I so happened to be okay at it Um, So I stuck with that for like until college um, and then realized that like I just didn't love it enough to give up all my time. Um, It was a lot of a lot of training. It was a lot of you know after college work and and during college. And I didn't love it enough to stick with it for that long and to to give it everything. So that's why I kind of made the move. But going then moving to Wales and seeing all the girls teams, I was so jealous. I was like, if I'd have known about all this like I would have probably given it up very very sooner okay yeah rugby's more fun yeah yeah um well hey Georgia thanks a million for your time really appreciate it and best of luck with the rest of the season hopefully be a championship at the end of it with Saris and uh best of luck in the Six Nations with Wales and I think you've upcoming games are you playing Canada soon yes so we've got um South Africa, Canada, and Japan in the autumn. Okay, well, maybe best luck in the other two. Hopefully, Canada beat you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. I've got too many Canadian friends to have them beat us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'll know one or two in the team. But yeah, best luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, Mill, for jumping on. It was unreal chatting. That's amazing. Thank you so much. It's been great. Really enjoyed that chat with Georgia. I especially enjoyed hearing about the setup they have in Saracens and learning more about the Alliance Premier 15s. While it sounds like that the league is very much semi-pro in that the only professional players from what Georgia was saying are the England EPS squad, which I think are 30 or 28 centrally contracted England players. And everyone else, it seems, in the league outside of that elite player squad be it english girls welsh canadian american they're semi-pro and they get retainers of match fees i love seeing rugby grow be it in different countries or in the women's game as i mentioned to georgia i currently coach women's rugby in vancouver i'm backs and attack coach with the ubc university of british columbia women's team and also with the bc senior women's team the provincial team and I know a lot of Canadian girls go over to that league. So while it's not ideal, the league that it's semi-pro at the moment, I think it's really steps in the right direction. And I think it's only a matter of time before there's more professional women's rugby across the globe. Rugby is still a really early professional game in that the men's game turned professional in 96, which is 25 years ago. And now we're starting to see a lot of money flowing into the game from private equity groups like CVC. And I think that as the women's game gets supported more and more and more money goes into it so that they 
can become more professional and train in better environments and take some time off, that the standard will go up hugely. Because like Georgia says, it's not easy working full time and doing all your gym and your training on top of that. And every amateur male rugby player or female can attest to that as well. Like you can't put all of your energy into rugby if you're doing all those other things. So simply enabling women at the top level to take some time off or to just focus on the recovery and just think about rugby, the standard will go up hugely. And you see that with England women, they're miles ahead of everyone else and they have come on so much in the last five years. And that's, I think, because those girls are full-time rugby players. It's not as if they automatically become 10 times better when they start getting paid a bit of money it just means that they can stop working 40 hours a week and can rest recover properly can do those extra skill sessions and all that and I think as the women's game grows it'll be better for the sport overall because it's just more money that comes into the sport more investors more people watching on tv and I just think it's yeah a rising tide lifts all boats If you enjoy the pod, please subscribe if you haven't done so already on wherever you're listening, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or a smaller platform. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, I will have internationals, both male and female. I'll be speaking with some international coaches and nutritionists who's worked with the England men's rugby team. And if there's any guests that you would like me to have on, please send me a DM on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm the Off Field Rugby Coach. That's at Off Field Rugby. Yeah, if you have any thoughts for the podcast or feedback, please send it to me there. Would love to hear it. And lastly, thank you so much for clicking in and listening. I greatly appreciate you taking the time. Have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.